Hi, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. I'm your host, Editor Maduni Christian, joined again this week by my friend and colleague, Edward Ned Russell, as we discuss indigo in India and what it sees as the future of the Indian aviation market. And then we move slightly farther north to the Nordics and talk about flyer and play. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hey there, Ned. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing today, Madhu? I'm good. I'm good. I'm kind of listening to uh, Indigo's earnings earnings call, which was very fascinating, actually. Now, we'd like to point out that this is Indigo, the airline in India, and not Indigo Partners in Arizona. That is a Just very, for clarification. That is a very good clarification to make. Yes, we were talking about the, the Indian airline that is, um, well, now they're all private, but is a you know, the, was the largest privately owned airline in India. Excellent. So what, what what is going on in India? What's uh, what's the story out of there? Well, there are a couple of interesting things that popped out at me. One is that corporate travel in India is now, ex- at least for Indigo, exceeding pre-pandemic levels. And um, this is, this is, and it, it rebounded pretty quickly. I mean, as late as March, Corporate travel is only about 64% of its pre-pandemic levels. But in April and May, um, that spiked quickly as the lingering effects of Omicron were sloughed off. And now April and May, Indigo is reporting higher corporate travel than uh, than it had before the pandemic. So that's... That is fantastic. It is. It is. And um, the other thing that there are several things that popped out of me. The other is that, um, uh, you know, CEO Ronajoy Dutta said... Uh, that they're seeing more now India for those of you who don't know has a very extensive railway network and um if you've ever traveled slow, in, real, extensive but slow I, I think was just gonna say concern, there's yeah. no concept of high-speed rail this is very slow um uh but very extensive railway network I mean I've been on a train for three nights uh in India would in what would be you know a two-hour flight or a three-hour flight um so what what they're seeing more and more of is as the company as the country pardon me as the country's economy strengthens um, and people have more discretionary income, there's more rail switching or switching away from rail, and as Dutta put it, um, uh, the people who could afford to travel before the pandemic are traveling more to visit family. They're going on vacations, etc., not using the railway system. And the people who couldn't afford it before are now finding themselves able to afford air travel. And instead of spending four days on a train to visit family, they fly for an hour or two. And that he said there's a long runway to go with that. So it's um, it's interesting. I mean, he's very, very, very bullish on the future of the Indian aviation market. That's great. Though I have to say, I feel like people have been very bullish about the future of the Indian aviation market for 20, 10, 20 years. And <laughs> no, that's it's true. always seemed to run into, into issues. So No, that is very true. Um, I think there's a couple of things that set this, this, um, this sort of... Uh, crystal ball <laughs> makes it a little bit clearer than others but we'll get to that in a second but you know I did want to I, I I have to mention that indigo is facing some headwinds and that is the rising cost of fuel and unfavorable foreign exchange so two things completely beyond its control India as we know imports almost all of its energy and the uh, Russia's invasion of, of Ukraine has sent energy prices skyrocketing so um Dutta warned that unlike many of his peers in the U.S. and Europe who've said that uh, they're able to pass on fully the cost of fuel, um, 
Dutta said they're reaching a point where fares are rising to the point that they might actually affect demand. Oh, interesting. Most, yeah, I feel like everywhere, every, almost every other airline we've spoken about has said that they can, they've felt they've, they have not hit any point where, where demand starts to, 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 re, to rebound because of fuel. That's interesting. But in India, that's the case. Right. And he said that's particularly, you know, um, particularly noticeable with price-sensitive leisure travelers. Um, but they're, they're reaching that point. So they've been passing on the higher cost of fuel and the unfavorable foreign exchange. Um, but they're, they're running out of room <laughs> to the market is starting not to bear that. So so that that's worth watching. I mean for all his bullishness on the Indian aviation market and the long runway etc this the, this could be something that could really affect summer demand. Okay. Oh wow. That's uh, it's interesting. It'll be curious to see how that plays out. Now did he have any comment about uh, the new competitors that are coming the Akasa Jet Airways reboot uh privatized <laughs> Air India. Did he have any thoughts on that? Very dismissive. Um so for those of you who don't know, Jet Airways, which went belly up in 2019, or was it 2020, Ned? I think it was, it was 2019. 2019. It was pre-pandemic. It was, right. Yeah. 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 So it went belly up. And for a variety of reasons, a crushing debt load, a really aggressive international expansion. I mean, there's we, that's a whole subject for a whole different podcast. And in fact, was a podcast in, on Airline Weekly in 2019. So you can go back and look for it. But um, uh he so Air India's sorry, Jet Airways is being rebooted and had just been cleared by the regulators to fly. Um, and Akasa is a startup. He was kind of dismissive. Dutta was a dismissive. Ned. He said, you know, as long as they're rational and don't dump tickets on the market or lower fares, he thinks that uh, he he thinks the the competition will be minimal. Interesting. Well, that's that's uh, good to hear. It's also, I should say, kind of what he said when I listened to their earnings in February. They were all similarly dismissive of at least their India privatization with Tata and uh, and new competition. So it uh, sounds like he's his tune is unchanged. Right. I mean, one thing he pointed out was that Indigo has a really deep schedule among between. Um, so so you know, India's market is basically the um, five metropolitan areas, Bombay, Delhi, Madras, um, Bangalore, and Calcutta. Now, okay, yes, Chennai instead of Madras, and I'm not, and Bombay is Bombay. I was just thinking in my mind, where is Madras again? Okay. <laughs> yes, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm still, I'm old enough where I grew up calling those cities by those names, and it's hard for me to change. But yes, um, so, so most of India's aviation market sort of shuttles be among these cities. Um, Dutta said... One thing, two things set Indigo apart, and that is that it has incredible, stronger scheduled depth among the five metro areas than its competitors. So if there's an irregular operation, Delhi's frequently fog-bound in the winter, for example, um, they can recover quicker. But they've spent the pandemic expanding beyond those metro areas to to more remote cities in India. So he said, you know, for example, Bhubaneswar to to um, which is in the east of India, to um, somewhere like Surat in the west of India is a one-stop flight, which would be a little bit hard, trickier for to handle on some of their competitors. So he's pretty confident about what the work they've done with their network that'll kind of fend off the competition. Now, the wild card, I think, of course, is the Tata Group's control of Air India. 
Yeah, Air India, and I mean, what other they, you know, Air India Express, Air Asia India, several others. So, uh, Tata Group potentially has quite the compelling proposition there. Um, yeah, and the Tata Group. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to cut you off. I mean, what I was going to say is, you know, the Tata Group in whatever industry it invests in, whether it's steel or cars, does really well. So um, it's foolish to bet against them. Absolutely. Well, fascinating. That's a very interesting piece of news coming out of India and everything there. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's an interesting aviation market. Now, one thing, the other factor that he's bullish about is um, Indigo's international expansion. Now, he put it, he, Dutta put it in a way that I'd never thought about it. He said India is surrounded by hubs. And he, he identified, you know, Dubai, um, Doha. Singapore is not that far away. So Bangkok's he, not far away. Bangkok's Hong not Kong. that far away. Hong, Hong Kong's a little farther, but... Uh, uh, to lesser extent, I guess you could say Abu Dhabi. Um, and, you know, uh, the United Arab Emirates is only a few hours flying time. So he's kind of seeded the one-stop long-haul market from what it sounded like. I mean, he was he didn't seed it entirely, but he hinted that um, Indigo's international strength will come from point-to-point service. And they're going to expand more on, you know, O&D flights from India, from India to Dubai, for example, not one-stop connections for vacationing Indians or people going to work in the Gulf states or, you know, um, vaca- uh, vacation spots in Southeast Asia. So not trying to beat the Singapore's Emirates of the world, but sort of, you know, through the houses, find a market that they don't necessarily serve as well. Did he talk much about partnerships? Because I know in February he mentioned that that was one way they were going to expand their long haul map. And we've seen uh, code shares with American, KLM, American might have been before February, but we've seen some of these new long haul code shares as well. Did he talk anything about that? Yeah. So he said that's also for beyond travel because, you know, they they Indigo operates a narrow body fleet and its longest haul aircraft is the 321 Neo. Um for beyond travel, they've got partnerships with, uh, as you said, those airlines, as well as Turkish and Qatar. And they have a proposal out. I don't really couldn't, I don't know where the state of it is with uh, Qantas. So, um, so you know, they're looking to expand their one-stop service through these partnerships rather than, than trying to do it on their own metal. Nice. That sounds like Indigo being wise and focusing on what they can do well rather than trying to follow uh, some other competitors that didn't do too well and buy wide body jets and fly Jet long airways. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Jetihad, Ned? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> All right. Let's squeeze in a quick break here, Ned. And we're back. Ned, so... Um, Let's move from India slightly farther north, and uh, and that's the Nordics. You covered Flyer and Play this week. Yes, so they both dropped their first quarter earnings. Uh, we'll have SAS next week, so you know, wait for that. But you know, they had similar stories on the first quarter. Now, we've heard this a lot. Omicron hit airlines hard, but these are two startups, early days. But they're still trying to build their, their reputation. They were both hit quite hard during with with Omicron in the first quarter. So. That wasn't terribly a surprise. They're looking towards the summer, but you know what I found particularly interesting is is they're actually engaging in some newfound uh, discipline 
that you don't always see of startup airlines. And when I say discipline in the face of high fuel prices and, and changing macro environment, um, Play, for example, will is, is canceling plans to serve Orlando. Which wow. it, you know, for all the comparison we've made comparisons that we've made that to Wow Air, which they embrace, it's it's funny because I feel like that's something Wow Air would never have done. They would have gone ahead with that expansion, <laughs> right? Didn't Wow fly Cincinnati, Cincinnati to Reykjavik? Yeah, Cleveland booming, to Reykjavik, booming market that Cincinnati Reykjavik is. <laughs> Well, that that is a, a big change then from WoW and, and one that, you know, WoW came under a lot of criticism for, for operating these really marginal routes. So I'm surprised to hear that uh, play or I'm, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but it is a definite change from for play to be making. Absolutely. The, their CEO, uh, Berger Johnson, uh, he said, you know, there's no benefit to anyone to go ahead with a project that's completely unprofitable, referring to the Orlando route uh, and citing high fuel prices. So, you know, we've I've been skeptical of them, but if they're going to continue along this line of being, you know, disciplined, especially as the macro environment change, it gives me a lot more, uh, gives their, their viability a lot, to, or at least raises the potential for viability and long-term success uh, in my mind significantly. So it, that was really interesting to hear coming out of them. Did he say anything about why they called the airline play? <laughs> no, he hasn't said anything about that yet. That's that is still a question. I mean, don't these do, do they not have access to to branding companies in in Iceland? I mean, what kind of name is that for an airline? <laughs> well, we could do a whole podcast on why I think Wiz is a terrible name for an airline, but but that's that's a subject for that's another, another day. That's another story. That's another <laughs> story. And then Flyer as well, and they're in Norway. You know, they are optimistic. Both are seeing strong bookings for the summer. Play and Flyer. Um, you know, Flyer is an interesting position uh, that I found out when I was looking at some some investments the other week. That their their chairman was actually the CEO of Brathens, which was a <laughs> former Norwegian carrier, and also then the worked at Norwegian Air in the early two thousands. So it's a it's a small aviation network in Norway, but Norway's becoming an interesting market with Flyer growing. Norwegian Air, of course, has restarted, and and you, they're looking at going to eighty aircraft, or they are at eighty aircraft. They're growing. And then, of course, SAS is coming back. It's becoming quite a hot market there in Norway. And it's it's a small country. It's it's interesting to think about how all these airlines are going to succeed as, as they come out of the crisis. Yeah, that is interesting. But it is a very, you know, long country with difficult terrain. It is. Though they're all flying from Oslo point-to-point -point routes into Europe for the most part. So it's... I don't feel like they're relying on on the domestic market for their success, though it is a part of their network. Well, you know, for for listeners that may not know, can you tell us what Flyer is identifying as its key market? Oh, reading their their statements, it, they're still targeting leisure for the most part. Is is mm -hmm. my my gather what I gather? Whereas Norwegian also is is sort of leisure, more like leisure and business than of course SAS. It tends to skew more on the business side of things. Uh, but even SAS is preparing for a more leisure-oriented future with their business plan under their new CEO, Enko Vanderwoof. But what about geographically? Is Flyer going to sort of uh, go head-to-head -head with Norwegian on, on Nordics and near international in Europe? I mean, they're doing point-to-point -point flights to just about every... Uh, wow destination on the continent that you could think of mostly leisure oriented um places i don't have their map in front of me but 
it's you know it's everywhere from berlin to the to the spanish coast to you know uh, italian coast so they are kind of going head to head it's it's interesting though flyer of course is much smaller than norwegian they've got they'll have 12 aircraft in their schedule oh. uh by the end of the year they had eight in march so about 10 in the summer schedule so you know it compares to 80 at norwegian so the the scale is much much smaller but it's still i do wonder how much leisure uh capacity the norwegian market can handle right and and we left out another big one and that's uh that's Norse Atlantic. Ah, <laughs> yes. Of course, they're going for the, that long-haul, low-cost. You were looking into that the, the wet lease agreement they did a while back. What, what did you find? <laughs> I was looking into it, but I, I stopped looking into it. So let's move on, Ned. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do my homework. Um, let's move on. So, but, but Norse, so therefore, I mean, it's fair to say the Norse Atlantic and, and WOW will be occupying the same space, right? Yeah, I would... You mean play? North Atlantic oh, play? Will be play, play. Sorry, <laughs> you threw me off my game there. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, talk about. I mean, two airlines comprised of of the employees and, and leadership of two defunct airlines. I mean, they have well, a lot in common. <laughs> technically, they won't because I was just saying, play only flies to Trondheim and Stavanger in in Norway, and uh, Norse is basing all their flights out of Oslo. It doesn't have any connections. So interesting. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know exactly how much of a drive market somewhere like Stavanger is to Oslo, but Trondheim looks quite far north, so I'm that guessing it's not yeah. a drive market. So my guess is they actually don't compete that much. Mm, interesting. Uh, at least not directly. So, yeah. Huh. But they they will be going after the same leisure travelers from the yeah, U.S. Yeah, the to, same. Yeah. Right. Right. Especially for you know, definitely going to be some Americans thinking, "Ooh, cheap fares to Stavanger, and we could right. just drive to Oslo and be surprised <laughs> by the distance." But right, that's another story. <laughs> that is another story. I got a whole bunch of future podcasts lining up ahead of us. So we what do. else did you? What else did you hear about the Nordics this week? I mean, that's kind of, you know, that's sort of the story. There's, you know, discipline. They all were hit hard, but bookings are going well and going in the summer. Of course, everyone seems to be struggling with unit costs. That that also hmm. was something that jumped out. Of course, the success of a low-cost carrier is keeping costs low. Right. Um, and both Flyer and Play had significantly higher unit costs, excluding fuel, in the first quarter than they, they would like to be. Though they both argue that with the new planes coming on, as they, they're... Um, you know, getting better economies of scale for their staffing levels uh, and what they're flying, that those are going to come down. But, you know, it's interesting. They're both, they're, they're both talking about um, being above levels that even Norwegian Air expects in the wow. second half. And Norwegian Air says that they need to cut costs as well. So there's a big drive amongst all these airlines to get costs down, cut costs. And this is excluding, so this is excluding fuel. So we're not even talking about fuel expenses here. Um and that seems like the big driver. It I definitely very feasible as, as of course they scale and, and are flying for their you know size of their their business. But it's it's a long term thing because they're all saying they don't really expect to hit their their cost goals until twenty twenty three. Huh. So you know, but money keeps going in. I you know Flyer just did a capital raise and and brought in more capital, including the former uh, founder of Brothens and <laughs> chairman of Norwegian Air. So. You know they're they're boosting their balance sheets and moving forward. So that's you know there is that confidence in them at least. 
Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how all this plays out. Ha <laughs> see what I did there? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do. Over the next uh, next few years, I mean, we'll see if these uh, these demand levels that are expected for the summer will hold up and will are sustainable through through the rest of the recovery. Right, or if we're going to see uh, a future consolidation in the Nordics. I mean, who knows? It's yeah. uh, it could definitely happen. Well, that'd be sort of like a comf- it'd be like a an all staff reunion, wouldn't it? They'd <laughs> 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 all just be back in the same office. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. All right, let's leave it there before we get too ridiculous. Ned, thank you for joining again. Always a pleasure, Madhu. And you can reach us at er@skift.com for Ned and mu@skift.com for me. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Should you have comments or questions, drop editor Madhu Unikrishnan a note at mu@skift.com. Of course, check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.